0: We have a lot of problems in this world, a lot of things that we want to go about addressing, a lot of things that countries want to go out and address, like having clean drinking water, making sure everybody has a roof over their head to address homelessness, addressing poverty, addressing quality of life, addressing health. One of those big problems is mental health. And every year that passes, it's like we're talking more about it, especially in the West. We're recognizing the importance of mental health in different dimensions of life and how important it is to everyday life. Now, mental health might mean different things to different people. This could be stress from work, stress from relationships, trauma or abuse suffered at a young age, finding yourself experiencing a plethora of depressive symptoms, eating disorders, ADHD, OCD. So there are many different labels to describe. The way that an individual interacts with life or the lens that he has on as he goes through life. And unfortunately for a lot of people, I read something that said four to five people will experience at least one depressive symptom in their lifetime between the ages of, uh, excuse me, 18 to 30 years old in North America. So if you have 100 people between the ages of 18 to 30, 80 of them will experience Some sort of a depressive symptom. Folks, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So the question is, what do we do about that? Now, if you've ever tried to see a counselor or a psychologist or a therapist, you know there are big wait lists, right? It's hard to see one. Not only that is it hard to see one. You're put on a wait list. Um, Hopefully, they can help you by the time you actually see them. They're expensive. And a lot of insurances do not cover them. Or they'll say something like, we'll cover $500 of any of your counseling or psychology fee up to a year. Well, guess how much a psychologist might charge? What if they charge you $225 an hour? All of a sudden, two sessions worth, that's it. Insurance isn't going to help you anymore. So there's a lot of barriers to accessing mental health resources. That's weird, isn't it, folks? That in one breath we can say we have this big mental health problem and yet we have a shortage of counselors of social workers of therapists of psychologists of psychiatrists why is that why do you think that is if there's high demand for something why is there low supply and not to mention that's one of the reasons they can charge so much right it's because there's this low supply. It's because it's really valuable or so we think Tell me, folks, why are there not enough psychologists or counselors or therapists? Is it because people don't want to go into those professions? And I'm I'm really just asking for your opinion. What do you think? Do you have any friends that are studying psychology? Do you know anyone that's studying psychology that has aspirations to be a counselor, to be a psychologist, to be a psychiatrist? Think about those people. Do you even know anyone? And you might say no. And I don't just mean someone who studied psychology because it's a really popular thing to study. I mean someone who has aspirations to go on and do something in mental health. And what you're going to find is you're going to find one or of two things. One, either you don't know anyone who wants to go do something mental health related. Or two, they want to and it's incredibly difficult. I'm gonna give you folks a stat that an advisor told me. He said, Daniel, last year for our clinical psychology program, so a program that you can apply to, and if you get in and graduate, you can work as a clinical psychologist. This program last year had about 350 applicants. Okay, 350 people applied. He goes, how many people do you think we accepted? You take a guess, how many people? It's competitive. It's a very competitive program. It is arguably the most competitive program in all of mental health psychology, clinical psychology. The acceptance was 6. 350 plus students applied and 6 were accepted. And when you look across the country, I'm speaking about Canada here, the average acceptance rate for a clinical psychology program is between 2 to five percent. Okay, when I give you that stat, it's not that there's people who don't want to go into that work, it's that the barrier to entry is so high. Now why is that? I'm gonna save you the headache and the trouble and the thinking and I'll give you the answer. The reason is funding. So here's what happens. We have lobbyists and these people look at the government and they say this thing in our society is important, therefore we need to allocate more money towards it. Like medical school. They petition, government says absolutely, we'll give this money to universities so they can have they can invest it into the medical school program. Where does this money go? This money is used to buy professors who can help supervise med students. This money goes to create new buildings, create classrooms for the medical students, any supplies, equipment they need, any supervision. So for all of their training. So if you don't have great lobbyists, if the government isn't allocating enough funds, guess what happens? The university gets a small amount of money for their mental health programs. And with that small amount of money, they don't have too many professors that can look over students. They don't have that much classroom space. They don't have the equipment necessary. And the byproduct of that is the acceptance rate gets extremely low, not because they don't want mental health workers, but because they don't have the funds necessary to support them, to train them appropriately, to then put them out for one year in what you would call like a residency or an internship. So they lack the funding to give those students. So what happens? We end up with a very small amount of mental health workers and those individuals who enter the field and by the way medical school also has its own problems and a few friends of mine who are nurses would would love to talk about that now all of a sudden you become a mental health worker you become one of the six out of the 350 who was accepted you go into the field and guess what there's a shortage I just heard a story a few months ago about a young lady who um, finishes her PhD becomes a psychologist starts working and after three months goes yeah I'm burnt out I don't I don't want to do this anymore. Folks, think about that for a minute. You study something for over 10 years. You're in it for three months and you're going, I I can't live like this. This isn't what I want. I like mental health, but this is... I've got way too many clients as it is. You need to be cognitively there for each and every single one of them. I see there's a wait list for eight other people and they might have to wait for up to six, if not one year, six months to a year. So now you go in and you're carrying two or three people's work. So guess what happens? Even the mental health professionals who get their license are going, I don't feel too crazy about getting involved, like in the public health system. Why? Because they're going to be overworked, because the pay is unbelievably low in relation to health and how health is valued. And guess what they do? They go into private practice for themselves. So all of a sudden, the counselor who could make, let's say, 30 bucks an hour opens up her own counseling office and says, hey, come on over, one-on-one. I'll work with you for $120 an hour. Depending on where you live, if you live in a Vancouver, if you live in a Toronto, if you live in a San Francisco or in New York, obviously, it's going to depend on how much they have to pay for rent and how much you have to pay for living expenses, what the standard is of other mental health professionals. And all of a sudden, the barrier to entry for the people who need help rises exponentially. Do you notice a common pattern here, folks? That the barrier is so high to become a mental health professional, and then those people, in order to make money, in order to pay off their loans, in order to be able to live and make a living based off of the thing that they're passionate about, they have to charge an insanely amount of money that insurance may or may not, probably will not cover. So now the very people that they sought to help can't access them do you see the problem here folks like is this thing on do you hear me do you hear how freaking ridiculous this sounds so as i've told you this and i don't really know where i'm going like normally like the kind of formula for this is i i stir your curiosity I kind of propose this idea or this problem. We kind of spitball a couple of suggestions. I sit in silence so you have time to think. And then I give you my suggestion. And then we kind of, you know, say goodbye and I'll, you'll listen to me again next week. But I don't know where to go from here. Like, what do, we, what do we do about this? And the easy answer is, we'll ask more money, right? Get the government to allocate more money towards universities or colleges or whatever schools so that they can increase the budget that they have for mental health professionals. But guess what? Every program would probably like more money. The people at medical school would like more money. The business schools would like more money. The engineering schools would like more money. So for the time being, we are in like a mental health epidemic. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. Why? Why did I start making these videos? Because mental health, we suffer on the inside before we suffer on the outside. And then someone who's experiencing depressive symptoms, they may manifest in things such as not wanting to go to work, and such as not working out anymore, not wanting to see your friends. But we don't recognize that it starts from within. right Of what we said, a broken leg is a broken leg. If you've got a cut, we can see it. We can see you bleed. But on the inside, childhood trauma, abuse, OCD, it's easy to just pawn that stuff off. So, oh, well, you're acting up. Or he's just doing it for attention. Or she's just a drama queen. When maybe there's something greater going on. So what do the people do? If the barrier to access mental health resources is so damn high, Because there's a shortage and because it's expensive and because it takes long, it's like I'm not in a good place and I haven't seen a counselor. Like, of course you haven't seen a counselor. Of course. Would you even know where to look? Would you even know where to find a counselor? Would you even know what the process is to set up a counseling meeting? It is hard to see them and it shouldn't be. And then we wonder why self-help books are so popular. And then we wonder why people listen to podcasts and they spend so much money on life coaches. Why? Because there's no legislative body. There is no barrier to become a coach. Like in the last video, I talked about the transformative coach, the relationship dating expert, blah, blah, blah. And they might be geniuses in their field. And one of the really interesting things is because there's no barrier, anybody could do it. Well, look, and they're trying to help you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and let's think they're good people. So if you're a young person, maybe you're still living at home, maybe you're in high school, you're working part time, you're working once or twice a week, and you want access to mental health resources, what do you do? Well the easiest thing is this thing that we carry in our pocket all the time is our phones. Our phones give us access to things. Access to things like Spotify, which means podcasts. Access to YouTube, access to... I'm sure there's mental health apps out there that'll... You can write about your mood and how you're feeling and what your goals are or to-do list apps. Maybe meditation apps. Maybe apps to help you fall asleep. Maybe like a gratitude list kind of app. So what we've done is with mental health, we've put the responsibility on the individual the individual is looking at the system and they're going okay I don't have the means to see a mental health specialist I don't even know where to look they'd be too expensive for me to afford and they're going to be about on a 6 month uh, wait list before I can even talk to him and see if he can help me imagine waiting 6 months to see a counselor you see them oh it turns out it's not really going anywhere you're not a good fit okay here we go again could you imagine how frustrating that must be Especially when you're in a bad place when you need help right now. You see the problem we have here folks? So what people do is they turn online. And my hope is for any professional in their field And I know I'm talking specifically about health right now. You could be any sort of a doctor, a psychiatrist, a pediatrician, a foot doctor, eye doctor, ear doctor, a family medicine doctor, a counselor, a marriage and relationship therapist, whatever it is. If they can put their content online, what they've just done is they've significantly reduced the barriers to be able to access that. How amazing would it be if every medical professional or mental health professional had a YouTube channel of sorts? In that, you could watch a video or two and go, yeah, I don't, I'm not interested in this person's philosophy. So you don't even have to waste your time before you go over and talk to them. Right? And the opposite would be true. You listen to a person's videos and you go, I like the way he thinks. I agree. This is a person. He seems like a good fit. Now let me go talk to him about what being a client of his would look like. Right? Why? Because you've built some sort of rapport with them. You have an understanding of what this person is and how they, how they think and their perspective on the world and their methods in relation to conflict resolution. So my final message to you is this. I recognize mental health is in a bad place. You are not alone. There are things out there to help you. I recognize... That the system is not as efficient as it could be. Believe me, I'm not the only one who thinks this way. I know many psychologists and counselors who share the same view. I know many medical professionals who share the same view. And they are doing things to address this. And for right now, the easiest, best thing you could do is you could find these professionals. You can find these mental health professionals, counselors, on YouTube. And you could listen to them and you can listen to this information, you gotta think to yourself, you could be charging me 120 bucks an hour. If you're a psychologist in British Columbia, at least where I'm living, the standard rate is $225 an hour. That's a lot of money, folks. Or you could just listen to the content for free. So here's what I'll also do. In the description, whether this is gonna be on YouTube, whether you're watching this or on some sort of a podcasting platform, I'll put down some of my favorites. Five or six different mental health practitioners who put out their content for free. Anything from relationships, ADHD, depression, trauma, existentialism, finding meaning. There's a bunch of people out there, folks. The big thing we need to do is we need to make you aware of them so you can access their free resources. I know it's not a perfect solution, but I believe it's a practical step in the right direction. Thank you everybody for listening and definitely check out the description again to see those people that I've highlighted and I'll tell you a little bit about them, what they do and and kind of where they make videos. Thanks everybody. Take care of yourselves and bye-bye.